Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. This is a Raw-specific podcast. We are going to be talking about Raw, and that's no we. Justin had to go. So uh, it's just me and you guys talking about Raw. I'm going to save the match between Nia Jax and Charlotte Flair for the end because I feel like that match was the takeaway of Raw, even though it wasn't supposed to be. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt about it, multiple different places. I think you can go to find very good uh, opinions on this. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Raw starts out, the first segment of it winds up being pretty long. We have, let's just start with this. Three matches that were announced didn't actually happen. Because supposedly they ripped up the script three times. Now, in defense of the product, I felt like it was a good show. Um, maybe even a better show than if we would have had the matches. <laughs> but, okay. Ms. Morrison never happened. Lashley Sheamus never happened. And there was one more. We'll get to that. There wound up being a no. Oh, even Marie and Dewdrop never happened. So, there's that. Damien comes out to open up the show and we have basically the locker room unloads <laughs> drew mcintyre sheamus priest winds up getting into a little chew back and forth uh rk bro wants to get involved in all of this and mvp and lashley wind up getting involved we have a good little back and forth with lashley and and with uh well, actually with mvp and randy after lashley had acted as if he wanted to answer the open challenge by priest and he wanted to be a multiple time champ once lashley got irritated he grabbed the mic and said you know i want two belts but it ain't got to be that that u.s title maybe i'll take yours and so they set up that as the main event rk bro versus lashley and mvp which winds up being really good and then we have the drew sheamus priest match which is as of right now it's probably the match of the weekend wrestling on american television there's some pretty good matches this week. But as of right now, that may be the best match. And we'll just talk about it real quickly. Um, Drew, this is Vince's vision of what pro wrestling should be. You've got three big guys beating each other up. Now, it ventures into some stuff that maybe isn't his original vision of what he believes pro wrestling is because Drew is a little more athletic than you have to be to do what Vince wants or what we are being told that Vince wants. Priest is also very athletic, and so we get that aspect of it. The uh, the medium-sized wrestler athletics in a bigger wrestler's body. Sheamus is more athletic than, you give him, than we give him credit for. And Sheamus is a brutally physical wrestler. Drew is a brutally physical wrestler. Priest held his own in all these aspects. We get the athleticism spots from Priest. We get Drew doing the uh, the dive over the top rope somersault into both wrestlers. It's always incredible when a big man does. It harkens Undertaker feels because of the similarity in size to Drew and Undertaker. And then we get Drew having a shot at the belt, but losing cleanly to Priest in the middle of the ring. Now, we haven't seen Drew lose cleanly. You know, uh, he didn't lose cleanly to the champion. 
And so it tells you how much they're invested in Damian Priest that they would allow Drew to eat this pen. And I am, look, I, I, I've been hypercritical of Drew, not as a, I don't think he books himself. It's just I've been hypercritical of the fact that he never really seems to be in jeopardy of losing. He he beats two men at a time. He, he'll clear the ring with three men the same size as him in the ring. So for him to eat this pin right here clean in the middle of the ring tells you that Damian Priest has got a rocket strapped to his back, and I love it. I also think that it's great for Drew's character to lose every now and then. No matter how much you love a babyface, there has to be adversity in that babyface's way in order for us to be invested in him. And no matter how much odds are stacked against him, if he never loses, it becomes irritating. And it's why you wind up having Cena sucks chance. It's why people that grew up in my era, as much as Hogan was over and carried a company, guys like me were like, well, I like Savage better. His matches are cooler. Because there was something going on. You know, even though Savage was the heel, and then when Savage becomes the face, you know, it's even better because he, uh, a champion in Jeopardy is that that's exciting. Hogan would sell Jeopardy, but it didn't work because he was never really going to lose. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Nia Baszler and uh, Nia's outside the ring as Baszler's in the ring versus uh, Rhea Ripley with Nikki uh, accompanying her, and we're selling that. Nikki and Ripley will be some form of an arcade bro. Obviously, if that works once, try it twice. And this was great wrestling. And then Baszler eats a pin like she always seems to do. Nia attacks immediately. Uh, she Samoan drops Ripley. She there's a move where it'll come into play later when we talk about the other the other matchup where she slams she bounces. Ripley off the rope and attacks right before Ripley hits it. So when Ripley rebounds off the rope, she gets hit real quickly with Nia's body. And it looks brutal, and it is supposedly the genesis of, if you listen to Bubba Ray's theory, of Charlotte deciding Nia needs to be taught a lesson. We'll see if that... We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, The Viking Raiders wind up defeating Veer and Gender. I like the concept of Veer and Gender being in the tag team division. They wind up losing here to a good team. The Gender eating the pin was weird to me. I was a little shocked at that. However, I did like the matchup. I like the emphasis on physicality in the tag team division. I like the Viking Raiders being taken seriously now. I, um, Gender can be a bit hokey with his arm swings and all that, but he's a he's a very good wrestler and he is a good storyteller. Uh, good on the stick a little bit. I, I like Gender. A lot of people don't. I do. Uh, I like this faction he's got of really big guys, and I don't. If you're going to have somebody losing every now and then, and then of course they can get behind Gender and be pushed to the top at some point if they want to do that, or into scenarios where he gets to wrestle for belts when you have a babyface as a champ because he's so big and with help, obviously, he can be formidable. Right result, well done match, uh, just a little short, you know, but that's okay. Eva Marie Dewdrop was kind of a weird thing. Uh, I didn't hate it because Eva Marie didn't wind up wrestling. when it, Before they can ring the bell, Dewdrop attacks, beats her up, match gets thrown out, Dewdrop announces herself, the winner or, or Eva Marie the loser dances has fun do drop 
is separating and separating in a very over-the-top, happy-to-be-free kind of way. I like it. All right. Eva Marie Dewdrop needs to get away from all this, but if she keeps that, she's a physically imposing person, and if she keeps the the joy in her performances along with the power, the physicality, the intimidation, this could be a fun way to go. It opens up the idea of trying to save the Alexa Bliss character by you could put some form of that together. Um, it also opens up to her being completely single on her own and being in a women's division that could utilize her talents. Piper Niven is a great is a great presence in wrestling, and she needs to be utilized. And I'm hoping that when we get a rebrand or a brand split, we get Dewdrop, Piper Niven, whatever you want to call her, and all of these talents utilized properly as we go through these shows. Because I, I do think there's so much talent here in these women's in this women's division on both sides that it could be utilized similar to the way you utilize it on NXT. There was a little bit of the callback to how Eva Marie could never beginner matches because she was unable to perform from when the other existence of Eva Marie where her outfits would break and things like that. Also as, as Dewdrop is, is going away fun. The thing that clicked me clicked with me was that I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. As she's going backwards, it made me think, Hey, this, this personality can sell in a way that's unique to this product or any product. Now, Almost winds up getting challenged by Morrison because that match, the Morrison-Miz match, which was promoted, never comes off. But that could have to do with the fact that the Miz is getting a shot at Dancing with the Stars. Almost winds up just manhandling Morrison, which I feel kind of bad about, but that kind of is where we need to go with all of this in a way. In that almost has to be booked like this. And Morrison did what he could to make this look fun um he did a good job it was, it was fine it wasn't great but it was fine aj winds up wrestling xavier woods um these are two of your better performers aj i've said before he may be the best like all around when you think about what he's done since he's been here in a short amount of time how he's been the best wrestler in the world at times which he will he was that prior to ever making it to wwe in many ways at, at multiple times in his career but also the way he's taken every role they've ever given him and made him work. And here he's making it work with almost. Now we have this in-ring thing. Xavier Woods has never gotten the opportunity to be a single star. And it's kind of a shame because he's he's getting to a point now. I mean, him wrestling in TNA was a long time ago. You know? And uh, so my point here is if he's ever going to get that solo push now now's the time it should have been before now it's just the new day has been so great and so well accepted by everybody that they've never really had an excuse or a reason to pull him out of that but here we get another example of why xavier woods could work as a solo star now he does wind up succumbing to the calf crusher fantastic match then we get a strong main event, which is not 
the best match of the show or the thing that people talked about the next morning because of the weirdness of the match we'll talk about later. RK-Bro beats MVP and Lashley in what was very good. AJ gets to be on commentary here. He pumps up how good Lashley is. He acts shocked as the tide turns away from Lashley in moments. MVP obviously being the weak link is something that AJ plays up. Then we wind up having the home stretch run. And again, this is fantastic wrestling. MVP can still tell stories. He's in a better better scenario when he gets the tag team because obviously working in spurts when you're older is better than working a full match as far as your work rate, being able to do a good work rate. The home stretch run here where Lashley winds up in a pinning, about to be pinned, and MVP saves by stepping on the foot. That turns into Randy, MVP outside of the ring. And then we get the pin, and then we get RKO from Randy on Lashley, which was perfect because now all of a sudden, we have multiple programs involved because we had the interaction during the match between AJ, Omos, Riddle, and Randy. And that's the thing, right? Because they've been going back and forth. They took the belts off of AJ and them. That's one program. But does Lashley wind up in a program with Randy? Do we get, did Randy's, did Lashley's needing two belts wind up giving us a scenario where Randy winds up with two belts? Or at least getting a try for two belts, which would be kind of, I don't mind seeing Randy. And usually when you wrestle for the heavyweight title, you don't wrestle a whole lot of matches till the actual match anyway, right? So it's not a huge deal. Um, if we get multiple stories here where we have Lashley involved in the tag team division and in the, uh, U.S. thing with Priest because we've kind of teased Priest with Lashley, we've te- teased Randy with Lashley, and we've teased both of those guys with other people. So it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's convoluted, but there's a lot of moving parts currently in that upper echelon of each division, and they overlap, which is interesting. Although we will have a tag team turmoil tournament where we have all the raw tournaments next week to decide who will be wrestling the champs. And that should be interesting. They don't focus on tag team wrestling as much as they could, should, would, but they have showcased it a little more lately. And then kind of centering an episode around that is pretty neat. And we'll see how that goes. We got an Umberto killer cross match in there. I thought it was good to see Umberto getting used again. He's fantastic. This was a sprint, not really a lot of time to tell a story here. It was a good little match. Um, cross going over is good. Again, I get where everybody's tripping out. And if you listen to the other episodes, you'll hear uh, Justin bring up the Master Blaster comparisons or the Demolition comparisons comparisons to what they're doing with Cross. I still think when they ring the bell, he's good. Um, I do think there's a cautionary tale here, and I get where people are coming from. Here's the thing. Cross and Keith Lee wrestle a match, and it's fantastic in NXT for the title. Cross goes over, Keith Lee loses and leaves leaves the territory, for example. Heads up. He has these big moments, and we think something's going to happen. He winds up getting COVID, getting injured, all those things. 
he goes away for a while. It's a weird that that match between Cross and Lee is this weird line and stand in the sand of everything having gone correctly, and then everything not going correctly. Cross gets hurt in that match as well. He winds up having to be on the shelf for a while. He comes back. He does take the title off of Finn. He does wind up um, being booked fairly well. But the crowd, whatever happened, the crowd wasn't behind him when he came back at NXT. And that just got worse as as they went through these things. And as a heel champion, that's okay, kind of. But it was a weird kind of heat. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was go-home heat. I wouldn't say it was... uh, we love to root against this guy heat either though. It was a strange kind of we're really for the other guy and we're not that interested in whether or not it's a great match, which was weird because he does have good matches. Um he has some really good championship matches, but again, it doesn't feel like he was the biggest thing. He was this huge signee for WWE when the other company uh, AEW was signing these big stars and Impact was signing these big stars that had left WWE. So when they sign him and also Keith Lee earlier than that, you 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 get this feeling that oh wow they're gonna make stars out of these guys, and it just hasn't. He's a star, but not not like you would have thought. And then like I said, they've been in this weird holding power pa- pattern. And then everybody's like, well wait till he gets to Raw because Vince is the guy who loves guys like Killer Cross, right, or Carrying Cross, and. Then he gets to the main roster, and we've got him in this odd demolition, master blaster, Lord Humongous outfit, and it has to- totally taken away from what we thought was special about this man, because people aren't focusing on the wrestling, or he doesn't really get a mic that much up there. So what? And uh, Scarlet's not with him, so that spectacle's gone, and. It is a strange scenario, and it is what people worry about when they people get moved to the main roster. And it's again, it makes it even more interesting as these rumors of Vince being involved in NXT. When the fear everybody has is of Vince being involved in the process of these NXT performers' careers when they get off the NXT roster and on the main rosters, and you get the fear of when he gets involved with NXT, what will happen then? Although. Some of those fears should have been squashed a little bit when the news came out that that report on Vince being involved in the day-to-day program operations as far as wrestling programs, like as in these two guys are facing each other type operations. Vince won't be involved in that according to the new set of rumors, right? If you can follow all of that. Anyway, let's move on to Charlotte versus Nia. This is a good match at first, but it's a little weird. And then it gets weirder as it begins to look like there's some shoot action going on. You have a scenario where Charlotte gets dumped on her hip. You have a scenario where Charlotte puts her in one of multiple headlocks. In the last one, she really gets her in there before the shoot action, or what we believe to be a shoot action. Nia pulls out of it, looking winded and irritated. And then Charlotte does some like a slap to the face, and you see Nia kind of stop and said, "I rewound and watched it a bunch." And then I'll tell you some other stuff in a second. Uh, she says, "Don't do that." Nia says, "Don't do that." 
And then Charlotte kind of says, like, kind of a what you going to do moment. And then Nia, like, unloads a one-two, right-left, or left-right combo. And I don't think she hit her clean, but if she had, she'd have hurt her. She, she puts pretty good licks in there. And then they get into something else there real quick. Charlotte lifts her hand up like, maybe I'm going to punch you, and then kind of thinks better of which I get it, nice big girl. Then they get back on script a little while later, and then there's this awkwardness after that where they don't, well, it almost as, as if they don't know for sure either what to do or if we're serious with each other right now. Two different theories I've heard on this. Um, there is the, I, I go listen to him if you want to go listen. To a lot of people don't like Cornette. He had a pod where he went through the match and he kind of explains what he thought happened where um, there was some awkwardness in the match itself and there was frustration set in with one another and that turned into something else. Um, Bully Ray, I thought, was a fascinating thing where Bully Ray said that the... Because Nia had obliterated Nikki outside of the ring and the story here is that the challengers for the last title match, Nia, Rhea, she goes through them on her way to wrestling... Charlotte, which will set up Charlotte Nia for the title later on. When she does the thing we talked about earlier, she obliterates Ripley. Bully Ray says, hey, maybe Charlotte's and the backstage girls are like, we've had enough of this. So Charlotte decides if she's going to wrestle for the title, I'm going to make her look bad tonight. We're going to teach her a lesson. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to wrestle at a pace she can't keep up with. Let her know who's boss. If she looks bad, I let her know who's boss because she can't go like I can go. Maybe that gets her back in line because it's there's only there's not that many people that could go out there and like push Nia around in pro wrestling. Like maybe Baszler could beat her up, but I don't know that she could embarrass her without it getting weird on television. Charlotte going out there and just winding her and making her, you know, maybe the match isn't great, but it could be passable and Nia could learn her lesson. Maybe that's what bully was kind of pushing in, on a busted open when he tried to explain it, they get in there and it is wonky because pretty soon after they're wrestling at this pace. And even whenever Charlotte grabs her in a headlock, and this is true. If you watch it, she's holding all of her weight on Nia which is a way to win people. If you remember the great Ali rope-a-dope fight with Foreman, he's grabbing the back of the neck and pulling down, putting all his weight on the back of his neck because it's really hot where they're fighting and he's going to, you know, so when we get laid in a fight, the power of Foreman is gone and that's what opens him up for the knockout. And he did that to multiple guys as he got older and couldn't dance anymore as a boxer. Uh, it's uh, like Justin was telling me earlier, it's a Muay Thai thing. Also, there's a hold there that they, there's a term for it. I'm sorry, where you hold the guy down, it wears him out as you're, as you're wrestling. Now, what, as you're uh, fighting, I'm sorry. Now, here you get that, and then you get more quick action and more. And Nia begins to wind herself. And you can see her work, laboring as the match goes on. And then, of course, Charlotte gets dumped on her hip. And then, next thing you know, she goes to put her in that same hold again, and Nia pulls out of it, and she's pissed when she pulls out of it. And she knows what a, what a real headlock feels like, and she knows what that feels like. And that that makes sense, because I couldn't figure it out, because I thought, well, there's, a, there's a, a boot right before 
all this happens. And I thought she must have hit her in the face, but she never touched her. I rewound it and went frame by frame. She never touched her on that. So it, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, post this, as, as Charlotte rears back like she might punch her and then like stops, and then they get back into a match, there is a significant little bit of time there where it looks like they're not 100% sure whether they can trust each other. And that leads to some really awkward moments. Now, what winds up happening, of course, Nia winds up winning. And so now you've had her beat the champ, clean, middle of the ring, and this is the program you're on. And if it's a shoot action where they said, hey, go out there and make it look like it's real to make people interested. That's interesting, but I don't see any way they did that. But it does make for every time they get in the ring going forward through this program, all of us wondering, are they going to play nice? Is it going to be a clean wrestling match, or are they going to go back to this? And will they go back to this on purpose or on – let me rephrase that. Will they go back to this in like real life, or will they go back to this scripted? And it makes the matchup fascinating. Although it was it was odd and it was awkward and it wasn't great, but it was definitely must see. And Nia's had some of her better performances, and Charlotte is you know she's as good as it gets when when you ring the bell. So this is fascinating as we go forward in the wrestling realm and on Raw. So that's this has been a Raw review. This is me, KP, talking for our man Justin, who had to leave and. Copyright 2021. Check out our friends at The Gin Project, the G-I-N-N project.com. Also check out our friends at The Daily Smart. It is a fantastic, The Daily Smart. It is a fantastic wrestling website that allows you to get all of your wrestling information in one spot. You can use their filter and it will let you pick TNA, NXT, uh, Impact, NXT, AEW, Check those things out. There's a section for videos. There's a section for podcasts. We get to be included in that, which is cool. If you want to check us out too while you're there, check us out on their spot, which is cool. Gives both of us a little credit. Also, they have a calendar there. So if you're wondering when something's popping up, when's the next WWE pay-per-view, when's the next AEW pay-per-view, when's the next Impact special event, whatever you want to check out, it's there in their calendars as well. There's a New Japan section. Highly recommended. It is an easy place to catch up on all your wrestling news across the spectrum, especially if you don't watch the other shows, but like to be up to date on it. It's a good place to do it. It's nice and easy. You just click on over there and all your WWE pops up, read a couple things real quick, click off, check out a dub, click off. You know, it's fun. All right, go home.